All right, let's navigate to our uh, thing. I want like a soundboard just to play the intro and outro, which, uh, spoiler, is also the intro to this show. But that seems like such a decadent waste of time. Now I don't hear anything. Son of a gun. Sometimes I think I should just get like a Billy Big Mouth bass, program it to do the intro. Hey everybody, welcome to an episode of a show that you listen to, and this is the show, and I am the show. And I guess right now, so are you. I'll give you that much credit, even though you're not really doing any, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it easy on you today. Normally, normally, anyone will tell you that at the uh, beginning of this show, I will berate the listeners, and, uh, you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it easy on you today. So today, um, maybe this is your first time listening to this, and so you're wondering, what do we do on this show? And the answer is, I don't know, like whatever, whatever struck my fancy over the last week. You know what I mean? And uh, what struck my fancy this week is there's a, uh, there was a big thing like five, maybe seven years ago. You know what's really important is that I get the number of years exactly correct. This would be dumb if I didn't do it that way. But if I get the years exactly correct, people will respect me. There was a thing a few years ago uh, where everyone was real excited about... I I guess someone at New York Public Library was like, oh, yeah, we keep records of basically all the questions people ask. So, you know, people would call in in the fucking 40s or something and ask a question. Because this was back in the day... This was back in the day when being a librarian fucking meant something. Okay. Even when I first started being a librarian, it was like people did see you as this uh, knowledgeable thing. You know, I remember, I remember there were a lot of things like you would get a call. I got a call one night and someone was basically like, we're in town. We're from out of town, and we're looking for an Olive Garden or a TGI Fridays. And they're like, again, very important that I get this correct. And they were like, where's TGI Fridays? And I was like, I happen to know where TGI Fridays is in this town. So get ready. Get excited. Um, You're headed to Flavor Country, Flavor Town. Is that Flavor Town USA? Is that Guy Fieri? Did he do TGI Friday? Red Robin? I don't know the difference between these. But anyway, people would call you for things like that because they didn't have, you know, it wasn't common to have a phone where you could just be like, where is this? And then they go there. And like, I'm not here to rail against the current state of the world. That's something I've done plenty of. But because, you know, it comes with its its pluses and minuses for sure. But, you know, when you were a librarian at that time, it was... Uh, you had more stuff to do along these lines. And it wasn't necessarily that you had to know everything. You just had to know how to find things. 
So it's like, well, I've never been asked this question before. I certainly don't know the answer off the top of my head, but I know how to start looking and I know where to look. And, you know, basically what I can end up doing is saving this person a lot of time. Um, and that like, by the time I was done being a librarian a few years ago, that never happened ever. I mean, the only context in which it happened was a kid would come in because they'd be like, I guess my, uh, you know, fucking science teacher in high school is trapped in the nineties and is forcing me to get a magazine source for this dumb paper. And, you know, I, I would often, I considered myself a very good librarian and I would often tell them, or first I would usually ask, I would say, okay, so you can level with me cause I don't care. Um, do you need a magazine source because you just basically need one quote and then you can put it in your bibliography and you're done? Or are you like, I actually need this? And nine times out of 10, if the kid was smart, the kid would be like, I just need the, I just need the source. And I'm like, great. So we can just basically find you something related to this topic from a magazine and uh, fulfill the requirement, you know, Maybe not the uh, spirit of the assignment, but the letter of the law will be satisfied. And I, I did that a lot. And I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed to say it because um, I, went, I had just finished library school, you know, not too long before and had a reference instructor who insisted that we actually look things up in like paper materials. And I fudged an assignment because basically I was like, the closest place I can find this material is in like South Denver. And at the time I was like, I'm not really driving a car that can get to South Denver reliably. I have no way to get there. I'm not doing it. And you know, she didn't give you enough time where it's like, oh, I could interlibrary loan. And also it was like a reference book. So they're probably not going to send it to me. Anyway, so I was like, I'm in, I'm in the same boat in kind of a different different level but same same thing but here's the point like you could save people a lot of time because you knew where to find this stuff you knew how to search for this stuff you knew what you were doing and um i think google has definitely taken a lot of that work and i'm not mad about it because i think google's done a good job with it i think that a lot of people neglect to ask like you know, one time I had a lady come in and she was asking about, uh, she was like, listen, can you disable the filter on the computer for me? And I was like, sure. And people didn't really know, but like if they, uh, you know, we were allowed to disable, we had to have filters on our computers because we get basically a discount on internet. But the rule with the filter is basically just, uh, you can disable it for any any computer that's not in the children's area, you can disable it for any reason. Um, basically, someone just has to ask. So I didn't really make people tell me why. You know, I would just do it because I was like, well, if disabling this is a problem, whatever. I, I don't know. And people rarely asked. And the most common thing they asked for was dating sites because there were some dating sites where it was like seemed to be filtered. And I was like, well, who am, who am I to to filter love, right? So anyway, this lady came up and she was like, I, I need this disabled. And I was like, okay. Um, and she was like, 
I need it for a few different sites. And the thing is, she was shopping around to get um, breast implants. And so I guess when you go on the breast implant doctor websites, you know, they'll have pictures of their handiwork. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. You know, and... um. But anyway, I'm sure there were people like if you saw me sitting at the desk and I looked like I was 17 and I was a guy and you're coming in, I'm sure there would be people who'd be like, I don't know if I feel comfortable asking this child to disable the filter so I can look at this information that I'm kind of not thrilled about, like shouting to the heavens. You know what I mean? I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't I got no problem with it, but uh I also would understand if someone was like, not my not my perfect audience. And who knows, like maybe they wouldn't want to do it with a lady either, right? So I think that one of the underrated factors of Google taking this over is like, well, that's something you can Google and you know, you don't have to talk to me about it if you don't want to. It saves a lot of embarrassment. I think it also in some ways is a good thing for intellectual curiosity and in that it's like people can look up stuff that they might be like, you know, I'm a little embarrassed to ask about this or I'm afraid to ask it, whatever. But anyway, back in the day when we used to be a society, when librarians had a job, people asked questions and I wondered how I would answer these questions. And so uh, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at some of these questions see what we can do uh here's one and they even they put like uh the time you know it was between one and two on uh february 15th 1963 oof day after valentine's day the question over the phone any statistics on the lifespan of the abandoned woman <laughs> oh god day after valentine's day hmm <laughs> Okay, so I'm I'm going to assume well I'm going to assume this is abandoned and is in a romantic sense, not so much as like abandoned on the side of the road in the desert or something. I don't I wonder if there were statistics, mortality statistics about like do you live longer as a wife or do you live longer as not a wife? Um I wouldn't be surprised if you live longer. Well, okay. In 1963, I would guess you may have higher, less lifespan statistically in 1963 as a single woman than you would as a married woman because I think if you were married, you probably had an increased chance of having a better income, which would also, you know, mean you'd probably have better, you know, medical care and stuff like that. So here's my statistic. Um, shorter life. But, you know, you're probably better off. You're probably better off being abandoned than you are being with the person who is constantly debating abandoning you. Because, <laughs> you know, if somebody's like, maybe I should leave this woman, it's like, eh, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe you should. Maybe that should just be uh, finished. All right. Next, we've got uh, November 14th, 1979. Does anyone have a copyright on the Bible? <laughs> oh, man. Well, I guess someone's being conscientious about it, maybe. 
Um, I don't know. Does someone want to do their own reprint of the Bible? I think the thing is in 1979, uh, copyright protection was probably not the most significant protection on the Bible. I feel like you'd have more trouble uh, from adherence to the Bible. Uh, it's it's promoters than you would from, uh, you know, the U.S. Copyright Office. I mean, when you get when you get down to the question, it is pretty dumb because when you get down to it, you're like, well, the United States Copyright Office did not exist when the Bible existed. So that seems pretty unlikely. Uh, December 31st, 1963. So I guess, uh, you know, what I'm finding shocking is that the New York Public Library was open New Year's Eve, 1963. What are they doing? How many people were calling the fucking library? I guess maybe it's good to be open on New Year's Eve because you're like, this is when the true weirdos come in. This is when you get the weird questions and, you know, you're like, oh, we're closing up a little early today and you get a weird look because someone's like, why? You're like, yeah, this is just the most out of touch people on the planet. Uh, The question is, when did Moses first come into the public eye? (laughs) Uh... I wonder if that question, okay, is that question about Moses the character, the Bible man, or is it like about Moses in Moses' own time? Do you know what I mean? Are they like, was it like he was kind of an unknown and then he released his first album, which was uh, Parting the Sea, and everyone was like, holy shit. Was he the Ten Commandments guy? I mean, I guess he's got he's got a, a good set of greatest hits of stuff he did. So, you know, it seems like, uh, could have been any time, but, but if we're talking about like when in his life, when in Bible days, did he really come into the public eye? I mean, how important is that? Cause we're talking about, I don't know, a 50 year span of his life. Right. But, um, hundreds of years ago. So like, who cares? I mean, thousands of years ago, depending on how you feel about it. What does it mean when you dream you're being chased by an elephant? This is somebody something somebody asked in May 27th, 1947. I have to say, lately, I've been very fascinated by dreams and like just the idea of dreams and what they are. And I think the reason that I'm so fascinated by them isn't isn't because of the content. It's not because like, why do I dream this? Why do I dream that so much? Or like, what does this dream mean? Like individual dreams aren't necessarily interesting to me. I think what I find interesting about dreams is that um, it's kind of this unexplored thing to me in like science of like, I, I haven't really heard a satisfactory answer of what exactly is a dream. Like, what is it? Why is it happening? Uh, how does it function? What is it for? Is it for something? Because maybe it's for nothing. I, you know, that seems to be the common scientific explanation, right? Like if you're a non-crackpot person who considers themselves an adherent to science, you probably think like they just don't, they don't mean anything. It's just images and whatever, which I, I wonder about because I'm like, there's not a lot that goes on with the human body that is just like random. Do you know what I mean? It's not like your body's doing a bunch of putting a energy into random shit that has no purpose. Um, 
So it makes you wonder, right? Like maybe it does serve some purpose or has something, but it also just seems like it's like this weird unexplored frontier. You know what I mean? It's kind of like paranormal shit. Like we've spent so much time looking at and exploring paranormal stuff and like legitimate science, which is now not legitimate because, you know, it was in the fucking 1920s or whatever. But what they thought at the time was legitimate science did spend significant time exploring uh, what, you know, are ghosts real and like trying to prove whether or not there was an afterlife and all that stuff. And yet it doesn't seem like dreams have gotten that same thing. And what's so weird about it to me is it's like this is a phenomenon that we've all experienced. Like it definitely is happening. You know what I mean? Like I feel like if you had a kid and you never told them what dreams were, at some point they would wake up and be like, this happened and this happened and this happened last night. And you'd be like, oh, you had a dream. And they'd be like, what's a dream? And then you would be like, that thing that happened to you, that's a dream. You know, you'd use the thing to define the thing. Anyway, I, I that would be my long way of answering that question to just be like, you know, I don't know what any dreams mean. No one does. And unfortunately, you know, a hundred years from now, people still won't really know because no one seems to give a shit. No one with the, the scientific acumen to do this seems to care. And that seems unfortunate to me. Let's see. December 30th, 1946. How many neurotic people are in the U.S.? I mean, I guess a lot. <laughs> that seems like an impossible question to answer, but you know. It, it also, sometimes you would get these sorts of questions in the library where you're like, I don't know that this is, I'll give you one of my favorite examples. This lady came in um, who later, she continued to come in over many years. And uh, she, I don't know, we found out one way or another that she was kind of in the stages of dementia. And you're like, mm, that kind of makes sense. That explains a lot. And uh, it wasn't, it was unfortunately, it seems like when people have dementia, it's never pleasant. You know what I mean? It's never like, oh, this person has dementia and they think that they were Neil Armstrong and they walked on the moon. And you're like, mm, that seems all right. I mean, I'm kind of hoping, like, having read so many comic books in my life, maybe when I have dementia, I'll think I'm a retired superhero or something. Because they'll be like, I don't know, that's what's in his brain. Or he still thinks it's the 1990s, you know? And I'd be like, eh, that doesn't seem so bad. But anyway, she came in and she asked me this question of, what's on the exact opposite side of the globe from the United States? In other words, if you drill down straight through what would you come out on the other side? And I think I found, I mean, it was probably just somewhere in the ocean. Um, and I was like kind of showing her where that was. And I can't remember how we even figured it out, but I was like, I mean, it looks like we'd be here. Um, and there was some way of confirming that. And uh, anyway, she was like, well, I don't know if that's correct because, and her theory was there was a lot of bad stuff happening in Syria at the time. Uh, maybe there still is. I'm not totally sure. That doesn't seem like our country of bad things happening du jour. But I was like, uh, she was saying, I'm pretty sure that where we're sitting right now in Colorado is on the exact opposite side of the globe of Syria because I just feel this bad energy coming through. 
and you're like, okay. So, you know, she was asking this question, but her real question was like, why do I feel like this bad, terrible energy coming through? And uh, the correct answer was, ma'am, because you're experiencing the early stages of dementia, I'm so sorry. Uh, but her, her question, there's this thing in library science called the reference interview. And the idea of the reference interview is kind of that most people, when they come in and ask a question, um, you have to drill down a bit to actually find out what question they're asking. And this does seem to be true in my experience. It's not that, and it's weird because it's not like people are intentionally hiding what they're getting at. They're not trying to be like, I don't want them to know. I don't want them to know I'm looking at getting uh, breast implants. You know what I mean? It's more that like they don't really know. They're, they're not asking you the question. They're asking you to test their theory. And what you sometimes have to do is be, you know, you test their theory for them by finding the answer and then they're unsatisfied with the answer because they're like, hmm, that doesn't work into my theory. So you kind of have to do the reference interview and you ask them a lot of open-ended questions and things in order to get back to the original question. You know, and if the original question she'd given was, I feel like the world is out to get me and things are very bad. Why is that? I would be like, well, that's probably a question for, you know, someone in more the medical field than the library field. But uh, can we set you up with somebody? Uh, let's see. When writing to a sailor, should one always spell the word way, as in anchors away, A-W-E-I-G-H, out of courtesy, even when it is usually spelled way, W-A-Y? Hmm. I'm going to guess no. And I'm going to guess that way as in anchors away w-e-i-g-h away is like a sailing term right i'm sure there's all kinds of fucking nautical terms and shit that uh i don't know if there's one thing i don't know much about it's the sea you know if someone was like what what sort of uh pastoral life would you be least suited for i would be like oh like being a commercial fisherman or something you know what i mean doing something being in the coast guard uh, anything like that would be probably, but I am a, a fairly courteous person when I choose to be, um, which maybe means I'm not courteous. Cause I don't know if courtesy is something that you choose or choose not to be. Um, but I would say no, I would say that even if that's how they spell way every time they're at sea, you not being at sea, it makes you seem like a phony. All right, telephone call, mid-afternoon, New Year's Day, 1967. What is with the New Year's Eve, new, end of December calls? Uh, a somewhat uncertain female voice. I have two questions. The first is sort of an etiquette one. I went to a New Year's Eve party and unexpectedly stayed over. I don't really know the hosts. Ought I to send a thank you note? Second, when you meet a fellow and you know he's worth $27 million, because that's what they told me, $27 million, and you know his nationality, how do you find out his name? <laughs> well, first of all, this is a perfect example of a question that would be very easy to answer in the modern day. I feel like if you met someone who had $27 million, I'm assuming at a New Year's Eve party, um, that you could figure out what his name was. Okay, let's start with the first question. 
Yeah, totally. Send a thank you card. If you uh, got smashed and then stayed over at someone's house uh, unexpectedly, on the one hand, if you throw a New Year's Eve party and you get everybody drunk and someone ends up sleeping on the couch, I mean, as long as you didn't fill the in-between spaces of the couch cushions with vomit or something, it's fine. You know, it's not a big deal. Um, Secondly, let's talk about this guy. You know that he has $27 million, but you don't know his name. I would I would venture to guess that maybe it's a best just left alone. And uh, the reason I would say it's best just left alone is because, uh, you know, um, I, I'm going to just lightly suggest that maybe you're more into this money than this man because you don't seem to know much about him other than he has $27 million. And you have no way of trying to figure out who he is other than knowing he has $27 million. That's the only information I have to go on. Um, But perhaps, now perhaps, I'm not giving this lady her due and she's being quite clever. Because maybe what she's done is she's like, how do I marry a millionaire? She's like, I know. I'll just ask for a list of men who have $27 million from the library and then uh, work from there. I'm like, she's kind of doing her own okay Cupid if you can filter that for uh, economic class, <laughs> which I don't know if you can. I kind of doubt it, but maybe. Uh, why do 18th century English paintings have so many squirrels in them, and how did they tame them so they wouldn't bite the painter? I mean, this seems doesn't this seem like a prank call? prank call basically a very gentle 1976 prank call to the library which by the way um something i always found annoying at the library was sometimes people would prank we did this service called ask colorado for a while long story but it was like a chat service and every once in a while we would get a prank on there and it was horrible because the the state library who ran it was very into like you cannot, you have to treat questions seriously, even if they don't seem serious. And for a long time, you know, this was early, early in my career. So I was like, I did it, even though I thought it was really stupid. Um, if this was now, I would definitely have the balls to be like, look, if I'm going to staff your stupid thing from the state library, like, uh, you know, what happens if I don't treat what I'm 99% sure is a prank seriously kick me off fine i i would be happy to not do this anymore so let's just let's just do that let's me not do this anymore (laughs) um but kids would get on there all the time and do pranks and what was annoying was because you had to take the prank seriously sometimes the prank would come in and it involved you actually doing work like you actually kind of had to look something up and like investigate something that you know, the person was just, the prank ends up being like, you have to do your job and it's annoying. And that was the worst kind of prank. I mean, the best kind of prank was the one that was an obvious prank that was just like dumb. And you know, the person hangs up or whatever. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. As long as I didn't have to do extra work, I was fine with the prank. Uh, do you have any books on human beings? Hmm. That seems like that seems like a great question. Uh, that seems like a great 
instance for a reference interview. Uh, tell me more what you're looking for. I mean, human beings in them, how a body works, you know, what are you, what are we talking about here? Is it proper to go alone to Reno to get a divorce? Well, no, but I mean, it's, if we're talking about proper etiquette, getting divorced is kind of anti-etiquette anyway, right? So, you know, you're already getting divorced. I say go for it. Fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, I, there's no right way to get divorced, which makes me sound uh, very, you know, uptight and rule-oriented right now. But that's not what I mean. I just mean... I guess I just mean that um, you, you're already kind of abandoned that ship. So, like, why are you worried about, like, oh, man, I hope I didn't leave any dirty dishes out on the boat that I abandoned in the middle of the ocean. You know what I mean? Like, fuck it. Who cares? Um, what kind of apple did Eve eat? <laughs> this is from uh, September of 1956. Yeah, I mean... I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess the golden delicious or not the golden. I'm sorry. The one, what's the big red one? Red delicious, the big red, the classic apple. And the reason I'm going to say that one is because not because I think that's the best apple. I think the honey crisp apple is the king of apples followed in close second by the Fuji. And then the more acquired taste of the granny Smith. But I'm, I'm guessing that the uh, one I'm going to call it Red Delicious, I really don't know. Um, that seems like the apple that God would make as far as it's like, look, this is kind of the quintessential platonic ideal of the apple. So, you know, I mean, all we can really do is guess, right? I guess you could look at the a Bible, but I mean, does the... I was just about to say, does the Bible have pictures in it? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it doesn't. So, you know... I guess you could analyze descriptions, but I don't even know what kinds of apples existed in the Bible days. Although, I guess if you're like a hardcore Christian and you're against gen genetically modified food, I would question that because I'd be like, well, where did that apple come from? God made that, right? What the hell? Uh, let's see. Here's from April of 1946. Terrified female voice. What'll I do? I just saw a mouse in my kitchen. Is DDT any good for him? Suggested she get a trap. She wailed. Ooh, I couldn't pick up a dead mouse. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. I, I have advice for this person. Um, on, you know, because the mouse trap works. We've had, we had a mouse like last year or something and we got him. But, you know, I, try, I tried some different non-lethal things and some traps that I thought would work. And, you know, the mouse was in the pantry. And I was like, well, we can't not get this mouse. You know what I mean? We have to. Um, unfortunately, it's kind of like the rules I have for spiders, which is like, well, look, if the spider is off minding its own business, I really don't have a problem. But when I go turn on the light and the spider is like on the light switch, I'm like, he's got to go. It's just I can't can't abide it. Um, or, you know, like the, this, the mouse, you know, it's a problem in the pantry and get, get hantavirus or something. 
which sounds like a virus you get from a ghost, but uh, no. Um, so here's the thing: you gotta use you gotta use the, the mouse trap. You gotta kill the mouse, and you don't want to poison the mouse because what happens is the mouse eats the poison, goes back into its hidey hole and dies, and then it stinks. And then that's where you get uh, corpse odor remover powder, which I have. Uh, I was going to use it for a pot of ween thing because it just said it, it literally says on the thing corpse odor remover. It looks like a big thing of Parmesan cheese um, with pepper in it or something. And the reason that exists is because, you know, mice and rats die in the walls and they smell fucking terrible. So here's what you do. Use the trap, but try this. Try setting up the trap like on top of a plastic garbage bag. Right, like put it in the center of a plastic garbage bag. Um, you might not get the mouse to go on it because the mouse might be like, this is too weird. But if you can get the mouse to go onto the trap in the center of the garbage bag, the trap will snap, it kills the mouse, and then you just pick up the bag and kind of, um, uh, you have the opening, right? You set the opening so it's the bag is wide open at the top and you set the mouse trap in what would be the bottom of the bag, but it's all kind of collapsed into one ring because you've set it on the floor. Then when the mouse gets trapped in it, you just pick up the garbage bag, the mouse is in the bag, you haven't touched the mouse. The end. You know, you can also do something like, um, you could put a piece of, like a, a, a rag or a piece of fabric down and then roll it up and roll the mouse up in it like it's a, somebody getting killed by the mafia throw it out that way I, have a, I that was not a bad answer right or just be like I don't know you got a landlord or some shit <laughs> let's see here's a question does the female human being belong to the mammal class <laughs> I'm gonna go with yes on that one that seems like another perhaps question where someone's like I'm trying to, to prove something to a woman who has spurned or scorned me in some way and uh here's the way i've decided to go about it and you know i as librarian i'm like you know maybe we should talk about what your real question is sir let's see uh november 1948 can i get a book telling me how to be mistress of ceremonies at a musical orgy I have a feeling that musical orgy has a different meaning than what I'm assuming it means. Like maybe orgy was like something I this I could be wrong. But what's a musical orgy? You know what I mean? Is it like musical chairs? Play a song and then whichever penis you're hovering over when the song stops, try and sit on it. That's very gross for this show. Uh June fifteenth, nineteen sixty seven. Question, what is the natural enemy of a duck? Librarian, what do you mean? Question, well, a whole flight of them landed in my pool and I have waved a broom at them, but all they do is look at me and quack. I thought I could introduce the natural enemy to get rid of them. I see, I see. I mean, I think there's plenty of dogs who will just go right after a duck. I've seen uh, more than one. I would say either a dog or like a four-year-old child. A four... I mean, if you just cannonball into the pool, by the way, I think they'll go. I think they'll leave. And maybe they'll return, but I mean, you know. 
what's what's the problem? You got a fucking pool. Did did you get a pool to not cannonball into it a couple times a day? Like, why do you have a pool? Oh boy. All right, June 6, 1947. I would like to know something about the physical characteristics of Adolf Hitler. I think I found him. He walks heavier on one foot and everything. Oh boy. So this is a person who's like, I think I found Hitler. Can you uh, give me a description of him? And it's like, uh, listen, maybe, maybe you describe this person to me and then I'll just tell you that that's probably not Hitler. I'll be like, oh no, that's... He's so much the opposite of those things, so that's probably not him. So you do not, you don't have to kill him. Please don't kill him. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's do one more. Do camels have to be licensed in India? I mean, do you mean like licensed like a vehicle? I guess that's possible. Um. First, I, I was ready to scoff at that question, and now I'm like, I, maybe. I just read, uh, well, I'm reading Mary Roach's book about animal and human encounters, which is great. Um, I read her book about the paranormal spook, which was my least favorite of hers. And it's because in spook, she's kind of trying to like, I don't think she's trying to, but she's debunking a lot of paranormal science, which is fine, because that's, you know makes sense uh most of it's very debunkable uh however i'm like her other books make the world seem like a weirder place than i thought it was and spook made the world feel less weird so that's not what i'm looking for in a mary roach book and also in the world anyway her new one is fuzz about it's basically about the intersection of humans and animals and you know how that doesn't always go great and uh what we're gonna do about it and so on um, do camels have to be licensed in India? So she was talking about uh, camels, I think it was in India, and about how there are lots of uh, camel car collisions, and this is kind of a similar problem to cars hitting a moose. Um, and Volvo has worked on this because I guess there's lots of deer and moose in, I don't know where are those made, Sweden, Scandinavia somewhere. So they have reinforced roofs so that... Uh, because what'll happen is a taller animal gets hit by a car and it'll smash through the top of the roof and often kill or severely injure the driver or passengers. And, uh, you know, that's same thing with camels because they're kind of taller and heavier up top. So there you go. So uh, they should have a license because that's a, that's a fucking deadly vehicle. All right, everybody. Well, there we go. I think I made a pretty good 1970s librarian. I at least talked people down from the ledge. Talked someone out of killing their neighbor who they thought was Hitler anyway.